Welcome to Surviving the Modern World, Episode 10. This one's going to be entitled, Food Preservation. Now, I know it's been a while since I've made another podcast. Uh, The last one I did was before my baby was born, and uh, he's now two months old. So it's it's been a while, but it's also been a pretty busy time. So I had to take a small break and uh, we're back where everything is back in order and uh, things are going good again. So this one, I decided to do food preservation because I kind of started getting into the whole canning thing and um, made a little bit of jam, made a few things, just kind of like learned the types of uh, canning. There's quite a bit to learn with that and it can be a little bit scary. I also started doing a little bit of pressure cooking. And yeah, that's a little bit nerve wracking, but it's not that bad. The newer ones are pretty dang safe. So anyway, to jump into food preservation, food preservation is probably one of the most important things in uh, like surviving shit hitting the fan, because one, you're not going to have refrigeration, probably two, you're not going to have a store and preservatives and things that are in foods that that kind of stuff's going to be gone, especially if you're growing your own garden. So learning to do all the methods of food preservation, and there's quite a few of them. Um, okay, so let's just start, I guess. It's, it's kind of one of those things you just got to jump into. We'll probably be jumping all over the place. But so dehydrating is one way. And with dehydrating, you, you don't just uh, throw it in the you know, food dehydrator and call it good. There's actually quite a few different types. And there's a lot of methods you have to do with each type of fruit, vegetable, meat. And um, like one thing that I learned through dehydrating is if you want to dehydrate a carrot or a potato, you have to cook that son of a bitch within an inch of its life. I mean, it has to almost be like boiled until it is just mush almost. Then you take it out, lay that into a food dehydrator, and it'll come out just fine. You'll be able to rehydrate it and it's edible. Um, but if you just cut up a regular potato and throw it right in a dehydrator, same with a carrot, that thing, you can boil it for six months and it will never become a edible, you know, carrot potato again. That thing will just be the toughest thing that you've ever had. So there's some things that you'd have to look into, um, trial and error, but you know, hopefully this show just through my trial and errors, I can actually give you a little bit of advice. So let's see, let's go over fruits and vegetables. Um, what, you know, you really do need to, to look into, you know, how quick it needs to dry and, um, you know, things like that, because if you dry something out too quick, you know, it it can actually, you know, kind of shrivel up and, and get a little bit too dry. Some things need to be dried to a point where they're still a little bit pliable, like beef jerkies and things like that. But so to go with like the, 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 let me just go ahead and name some of the food preservation methods. All right. You have your dehydrating, you have salt curing, you have canning um, or bottling or however you, you call it where you're from. Um, and, you know, those are some of the best ways right there the, that you can preserve food and, and shit hitting the fan because, you know, you, you're going to have to stockpile up for the winters if you live in cold regions. If you live in warm regions and you have like a year-round growing season, hey, then you're smart for living in that area um, as long as you can, you know, grow a garden and you have the abilities. But 
let's say you don't have the abilities and you live in a climate like I do in the winter, it's pretty rough. You can't grow anything. In fact, even in the fall, you're done growing. About the only thing you'll have is tomatoes. And so you're going to really need to have the equipment beforehand. Um, now, I just bought an all-American pressure canner. All right. And I mean, they're the best ones you can buy by far. One, they don't require a O-ring. So they're a very tightly machined fit. They actually have top clamps that go on and screw tight. And they they make several models. They make, um, you know, they go by quart sizes, but I think there's like a 921 is about your basic one. And I bought the like 925 because one, whenever I was doing my search on them, it was about the same price as the uh, 921, but it was a lot taller. And so I figured that that would give me the ability to do tall jars. So um, anyway, to get into the canning, I mean, that's an entire show in itself, um, but maybe I can just kind of touch on the basics of canning in this show. So whenever you do canning, the there's two types, okay? There's pressure canning and there is water bath canning. And um, water bath is actually probably your easiest and more generally used. And um, so we'll kind of get into that one first. The first thing you want to do is you want to sterilize your jars and your equipment. So if you got, you know, some water boiling and you dip them in there for a few minutes, you're probably going to be just fine. Okay, then what you do is you want to take your jars and you fill them with whatever it is that you're going to you know, water bath can, which is usually like your jams, your jellies, and, um, you know, fruits and things like that. There are a lot of things that you cannot water bath can, um, like meat, okay? You don't want to water bath can meat, okay? If you're, if you're looking at canning a deer, some fish, some, you know, beef, whatever it is you have, chicken, and you want to um, can that, you're going to need a pressure canner. Now, um, a lot of the books, and, I, and I've read quite a few books, um, the Ball Blue Bible, that is probably the best, you know, canning book that you can get your hands on. Uh, and I actually bought quite a few. Uh, there's one called Preserving the Harvest, and uh, it was a really good one. But the uh, Ball, Ball, any of the Ball brands, um, th those ones are going to be like one of the best books because those guys pretty much own the uh, the canning industry. I mean, between those and Kerr, but I don't even, you know, I've looked kind of online and I didn't really see any books by Kerr, but I have found quite a few by Ball, and those are phenomenal books. Well, they will give you step-by-step -step on elevations, um, boiling times, um, temperatures, all that type of stuff. The other variable in canning is if you have um, a high-acid food, like uh, tomatoes or anything like that, because those those actually, you know, they, they actually kind of help kill bacteria, I believe, whenever they're canning. So some of those things you're able to water bath can. And um, so anyway, to get back into the water bath, so you take your jars and you've sterilized your jars, all right? And you've already looked into one of your books or whatever, you know, just to see what you can and cannot can in water bath. And you've got it all set. You're ready to go. Okay, you pour your contents into your jar that's just been boiled, all right? Taking out all the all the excess water, setting them on the countertop, letting them dry a little bit. I like to set them on a towel because um, it keeps kind of that barrier between the really hot jar and maybe your whatever your countertops are made out of. If they're like the marble or granite, 
you know, you, you may, they may be a lot colder and you may get a jar crack or break. So by putting them on a, a towel, that's going to totally help. So with that, you take them out, you fill them with, um, I like to use a funnel. They make a canning funnel that's a really wide mouth funnel and you can pour your stuff right in and you don't have to use a funnel. You can ladle it in, pour it in. But the problem with it is, is you may get some food or stuff on the rim. Now, if you do that, that's going to affect your seal. So what you definitely want to do is you want to put a funnel in there and pour your stuff into the jar. Now, they also make a headspace or like an airspace uh, gauge. And certain foods will actually expand a little bit um, after they've been canned. So that's something that you really want to leave. You know, you can't fill them right to the brim and can it because it may, that may expand and blow your lid off. So what the, what they end up doing is they give you like a gauge on the type of food, the type of, you know, temperatures and stuff. So, so you use this little gauge. And so pretty much, I mean, rule of thumb, if you put pretty much enough airspace about the length of your thumb between the top and the top of your um, contents, that's pretty good. So you'll be all right. Then what you do is you place a, you know, well, I, I usually wipe the lid no matter what. Wipe the rim of the jar, wipe the lid, and uh, that way you make sure you don't have anything on your on your lids or your rim. And then you put the, the lid on, okay? Screw it down with a uh, ring, so you have like your canning rings, and place it back into the boiling water. Now, you don't want to place them directly on the bottom of the pan. It's very important to keep a barrier between the bottom of the pan and your jars because they can just get too hot and explode. And it, it has happened. I actually have a friend that cans quite a bit and I talked with him a little bit about this and he, he actually had a whole bunch of, uh, in a pressure canner, he had a whole bunch of pork explode in jars. And so that's kind of a bad deal, but it was totally reusable. He pulled the meat out, separated the glass, all that good stuff and um, recanned it and it worked out just fine, but quite a pain in the butt. So with the water bathing, so once you get your, your, let's say your jams and jelly, let's say we're canning jams, you put your jam inside, put your lid, screw on your ring, set it inside the boiling water. Now, you want the water to cover the top of the jar, okay? It has to be about one to two inches above the top of your jar. And the equipment, you can get fairly cheap at Walmart. I went down there and I think it was around $35. I bought a great big water bath. Um, it's kind of like those ceramic coated black or blue. And um, it came with the little barrier for the bottom. It came with um, like an instruction book. And then I bought the canning kit by Ball. And it had like little clamps to lift the jars out of the hot water. And um, came with a little gauge, came with a funnel. And came with a little magnet wand so you can pick your lids up out of the boiling pan. So it was really nice. So with that, what you do next is you pretty much boil them for whatever time it says. I mean, if you live at sea level you're going to probably boil it for around 10 minutes. You live at a higher elevation like I do, about five to 6,000 feet, you're going to be boiling for probably, you know, 15 minutes or so. And uh, so once you get those boiled, I like to just turn the heat off and let them kind of cool down a little bit. And then I pull them out of the um, water bath and set them on your paper towel, or I mean your uh, towel, and uh, let them kind of cool down. Now, a lot of times in the boiling, you'll hear like a sound like that. And uh, 
What that sound is, is that is the, the sound of the lid sealing. It's actually sucking itself down. Not always will you hear it in the uh, boiling, but you, you will hear it in the boiling sometimes. So then you pull them out, set them on your towel, and as they cool down, um, the pressure starts to kind of drop down. Well, it'll actually suck the lids down and you'll start hearing more of your lids, you know, popping. And that's really good. You want them to pop. If you don't hear it pop, that's fine. You can check it. You can, uh, if you see it dip down, then you know you got a good seal. Now, at this time, and this sounds kind of strange, but you take the ring off of the jar because the ring can actually create a false seal, okay? And so that false seal, you know, you might look at it and say, oh, cool, the lid's on there good. And that might be the only thing holding it down and, and keeping a, a slight seal. If you store your jars and you had a false seal, you're going to have a nightmare. You're going to have botulism. You're going to have uh, mold, uh, all kinds of different funky crap going on in there, okay? We don't want that. So what you'll end up doing is you remove the ring and hang them on the shelf next to it, maybe on a nail, maybe on a little hook or something. But just keep the jars, you know, keep them in there and don't stack them. Because if you stack another jar on top of that sealed wax little ring, the lid, it, there's a very good chance that it could cause the, the seal to actually break and, uh, and, you know, spoil your contents by stacking them. So, you know, if you do a shelf, make sure that you build your shelves, you know, high enough to do one row of jars and then have another one underneath that shelf, you know, separate them out. You know, it's, it's well worth it because if you're, if you're preserving all this food and you want to be able to use it, then, you know, if you ruin a whole batch of something that you just worked hard on canning and preserving and all the money and, and stuff that's involved, it was just kind of a big waste of your time. So you know, there's simple little mistakes that you can make that can totally ruin what you just did. So, yeah, so that's definitely one thing. So, um, then once you get those, you know, the, then you get all your jars and everything set in there, you know, then, then that's fine. Just leave them alone, but make sure you, you know, write a date, maybe the year and the contents. Because there are a lot of things that will brown just naturally. Just they'll brown from the heat. They'll brown over time. They'll, you know, they'll do their thing. You know, they, they may not look the most attractive, but you can still eat it. It's fine. As long as your lid still has a good seal on it, I would give it like in the high 90% that nothing is wrong with that. And I wouldn't put a year limit on stuff. I know that there's expiration dates on steel cans. And for a good reason. If you ever get a steel can and you try and uh, eat the contents that's, you know, it's getting, you know, maybe a year or so old, you might have a metallic taste to it, you know. And, uh... With that metallic taste, you know, I don't know. Maybe something is transferring over into the food. Maybe not. But, you know, so one of the other things that you can do is the canning method with uh, the pressure canner. Now, with that, you want to put your meat and stuff in the jar. And you don't have to cook the meat first. You actually put raw meat in the jar. And you don't have to add any water either. Um, it's amazing how much, like, juice and stuff will will form and and you know, be created in that, you know, just from the moisture in the meat. So it'll create its own kind of like a broth. I don't know if it's from the grease, the fats, whatever, but the moisture in the meat will definitely come out. It will pretty much boil itself in the jar and cook itself. So, you know, you really don't need to, um, to really add any water. Um, whenever you get done, you'll look in there and you'll see probably about two, three inches of water depending on how greasy or fatty the meat was, I guess. So also the moisture content, but 
So if you were to take, um, you know, like a stew, let's say you were to take um, carrots, potatoes, celery, that type of stuff, and you made a stew, you could probably like blanch the, you know, kind of like boil them for a few minutes, the carrots and potatoes, cut them up and put them into the jars with some raw meat and whatever seasonings you want. And then same thing, clean the rim, put your, uh, your little, you know, lid on there. And there's several types of lids too. And you don't really want, I mean, you can see the different sizes. There's like a wide mouth and then a standard. Well, you don't really want to use, let's say, ball lids with cur jars. Just because, you know, I've heard of people having problems with the seal because they're made for the other type of brand. So, and you know, brands, they want you to use their brand for their brands. So, it just makes sense to use a cur lid with a cur jar, ball lid with a ball jar. And you can cross, you know, use them. I mean, it's it's been you know done and, and people have done it all the time now they also make a lid and uh, i just barely purchased some and and you know what the name of them escapes me i don't have them with me right now um to to kind of do a thing but they come with 10 lids in a box and they are reusable and it's a plastic lid that has a um really nice like rubber gasket and i mean they they are phenomenal so you can you can definitely get that type of, uh, of reusable lid because once you use the lid, it's not really made to use over and over and over again because of the high pressure, it sucks down into the wax ring because most of the canning lids that you buy are wax. And so once you, you know, suck it on there, it, it's pretty much going to embed into that wax and ruin it. And I mean, there are people that they're pretty crafty and they can take paraffin canning wax and they can re-rub the rim and rebuild it back up and you know and they'll get a, a really good seal the next time that they use it and good on you but for me to take the risk you know especially if shit's gone down and you're trying to like you know survive and you don't want to die of botulism and you have to preserve food for the winter time boy it would really suck to you know to go in there and have your entire shelf full of shit that's rotten you know i mean you don't want to die from botulism or starvation both of those would suck dick so don't do that so what you also need to do is you need to, um, you know, get your, your, your times, your, um, you know, your pressures and everything that you need, because with the canner that I got, it's an all American, like I said, it's, it's heavily, you know, it's thick I and mean, that thing is like a half an inch of aluminum. So all the way down the walls, it's a machined fit. So there's no rings. You do just wipe a little bit of grease around the uh, opening there and you put it on there and seal it up. And it's got a pressure gauge, and it's also got a safety blowout valve. That's a little rubber little uh, deal. And then it also has a weight. Now, any time that you deal with like a pressure cooker, pressure canner, there's a weight. And with this one, it actually has like a 10, 15, and 20-pound weight all built onto the same weight. Um, you just put it into the different hole, and it acts, I guess they are drilled at different depths or something, but... It, it uh, it's all in one. So it's all you need whenever you get the thing. It's just ready to rock. So anyway, the pressure canning, I haven't really done any of it yet. I just got my pressure canner, but it looks phenomenal. I mean, the thing is heavily built. I mean, way killer. You're, you're never going to mess it up. But, you know, you do have to be careful with it because it is a machine fit. So if you take your lid off and drop it and bang it up, it you know, you may have to go and take it down and have somebody buff it down or, um, you know, clean it up, make sure that the seal's still there. And um, I recommend buying a second pressure gauge 
just because I've heard that they do go bad after about five to 10 years, you know, they can get faulty on you. So, you know, I did buy a spare one and they're about 17, $20 on uh, eBay and make sure you get the uh, all American cause it actually has a danger zone. So, Oh, with the danger zone, you definitely don't want to walk away when you're doing pressure cooking and pressure canning. That's what you're doing. Okay. You're not going to, you know, turn it on and say, oh shit, I'm just going to go and uh, out in the yard and do this and that, or get on the phone and do whatever. No, you are pressure canning and you are pressure cooking because you constantly have to be adjusting the heat. And um, with my pressure cooker, I actually cooked some uh, lentils and some curry and it took like 10 minutes and I had, you know, beef, lentils, curry, I had it all cooked perfectly. But I did add some coconut milk, and I think that the sugars from it might have uh, kind of caused the bottom to burn. So I definitely won't be doing that again. But, um, I mean, you have to crank that thing up to as high as my gas burner would go in my home. And But once the, the little pressure deal, it locked the handle from, you know, so you can't open the lid, it popped up and locked the handle. Well, then also the pressure weight, it started to sway. Well, at that point, I had to turn it all the way down to pretty much low, and um, and it cooked for 10 minutes, and that thing just kept rocking. But you had to watch it, because if I would have left it on high and just walked away, that thing could have very well exploded and, um, you know, gone off. Uh, who knows? Now, the, the pressure cooker, I haven't found any of them that are, uh, that are gasketless, so I did buy two extra gaskets to go with mine, and I got a stainless steel one, so it'll withstand the test of time there, but... So with the uh, pressure canner though, I mean, you're, you're looking at like 21 quarts up to 44 quarts. And I'll tell you what, it, you don't want that thing to, to be going into the danger zone in your house with family around. I mean, that thing is a damn bomb. You know, you, you could have that thing explode, blow the lid apart. You know, who knows what it would do. I've never seen anybody do one on a, a YouTube video where they cause a pressure canner or cooker to fail. Um, I'm sure that there's one out there. I just haven't looked for it, but so those are some ways that you can definitely preserve food. Those are tried and true. I mean, people have been canning things in glass jars. You know, my grandparents did it and you know, my great grandparents did it. So I don't really know the whole history on canning when they actually invented glass jars and stuff, but glass is so much better than like a steel can because it's it's one it's not going to transfer into your food and two you can look through it and see if your shit's gone bad you know and uh so i i would definitely use glass over steel any day now some of the other methods we kind of talked about dehydrating a little bit and with dehydrating um Okay, yeah, exactly. You need to know your fruits, you need to know your vegetables, you need to know if there's any prep time or prep methods before you do it. And but let's say shit's hit the fan and you don't have any electricity. You know, I know a lot of people buy these really nice ones. Uh, Ronco makes a nice one and um they all plug into the wall and they're all, you know, driven by fans and heating elements and things like that. You can totally make a food dehydrator if shit hit the fan and you have an oven in your in your kitchen you know you could just set the food on the rack put it in there and you know just let it sit in there and you know it's probably going to take quite a while to dehydrate but it's going to definitely 
dehydrate over time you know now if it's meat and stuff you definitely need to kind of dehydrate a little bit quicker or you might get some kind of a bacteria and, and mold and all that other crap but if you don't have um, mesh or like even like chain link or something chicken wire you know you could totally make little trays where it gets airflow all the way around it and helps to dry the fruit vegetables and meat and um, you know, with a little bit of a hammer and nails and some, maybe some staples, like a little staple gun, you could you could easily um, build yourself some dehydrating racks. Now the problem is too is you want to keep bugs and and uh, animals away from your food while it's drying, okay? Because this is gonna, I mean, they smell really good. You know, if you ever walk by a, a dehydrator and you're dehydrating fruits, fruit leather, that kind of stuff, it smells good. You know, you're gonna want to eat that stuff. So so are animals and stuff. They're you know they're they're scavenging as well. So you totally want to build almost like a little tent or, hey, hell, if you have a tent, maybe set your dehydrator up in the center of the tent, just your racks, stack them up, you know, just, you know, you could stack a few bricks, put a tray, stack some bricks, put a tray and, uh, you know, stack it up, zip the doors and let good airflow go through the tent. And uh, who knows, it may stink your tent up and turn that tent into a um, dehydrating tent always, but it's going to keep bugs and shit out of your stuff. So whenever you end up getting it dehydrated, then you could, you can still can dry goods too. So let's say you dehydrated a whole bunch of strawberries. Now you can put those inside of your sterilized jar. Okay. Make sure the inside is completely dry. You know, if you've just boiled it and sterilized the jar, you don't want to have moisture in there because that might cause your dried fruits and stuff to, to mold. So you definitely want to take them and dry them out with a paper towel. Make sure that everything's in there. that's perfectly dry. Drop in your dry goods. There's people that have uh, canned beans. They've canned rice. They've canned pasta. They've canned a few things like that, okay? Sky's the limit with canning, guys. That's why I've kind of started getting into this because, you know, everybody wants that, um, you know, bucket of rice, beans, whatever. But that's great. But there's a lot of things that you need to add to that. And also, it, it's just a good thing to get into because a lot of times people don't eat good nutrition. They, they eat that you know, that fucked up processed food. I hate that stuff. And it's because it's simple, it's quick, and it's pretty cheap. But I'll tell you what, let's say you uh, you go out and you spend this money and you buy this pressure cooker, pressure canner, and your, you know, water bath canner, okay? You might be into it a total of like $320. Excellent, you know, it's a total investment. It's not just something that you wanted. It's an investment because this is going to probably end up saving your life if shit hits the fan, having the ability to can food. Um, also, it's going to cut down your cooking time with pressure cooking. I mean, you can cook beans in seven minutes, you know, versus, you know, you boil them for about two minutes, then you put your lid on and you hit go, man, and you just let it pressure cook. And uh, so with that, um, you know, pressure canner, you can make yourself a whole bunch of like really good stew, let's say, and you bottle it up. And let's say you do like six quarts, you bottle it up, put them on the shelf. Well, let's say stuff gets pretty busy and you need to open one up for a quick dinner because you didn't have time to cook dinner. Boom. It's right there on the shelf. Use it up. You should always be using the stuff that you have stored. That way it's got a constant rotation. Okay. You don't want to can a whole bunch of uh, meat and then let it sit there for until shit hits the fan and then go in there and see if it's still good. You should be using your rotation, you know? So, you know, use the oldest first and put it in there. You know, the FIFO method, first in, first out. 
So, you know, that's where taking a Sharpie and writing the date on it is, is, you know, or a piece of tape around the jar and write something on it. You have to write on these jars because if you have no idea the history, I, I don't know if I'd want to really eat on it. But so, you know, you can totally save yourself a lot of money by, you know, cooking actual meals, soups, stews, um, just even having the meat and have it in the jars and having it ready. You can take it out, heat it up. Totally cool. Now, so let's say you're uh, going to, you know, can your dehydrated stuff like we were on, you know, so you can dump all that into a jar. Once it gets full, then you place the, the lid on top and then same thing. You tighten down your ring and you boil that sucker and you get it until it will do the same thing. It'll seal, you know, and you may not need, I'm not really sure that the boiling times on uh, dried goods, but I'm sure that it's in the ball canning book. That thing has phenomenal recipes even. It's it's just very, very thorough. And it's not even that expensive. You can buy them brand new offline anywhere for, um, you know, 30 bucks is about the most expensive I've seen one. But it's phenomenal. I mean, if you had that book and a pressure canner, you're, you're set. You're going to survive. That's one of the best tools that you could have. And uh, a lot of them recommend, you know, not doing it over like a campfire, let's say. And that's just because it's extremely hard to regulate the heat. Okay, because if you get it going way too hot, way too, you know, whatever, it, it can really screw up with the, the pressure that's needed and it can really screw with the, the heat. So you kind of do need, you know, that's a drawback. But, you know, it's like my brother said, he's like, you know, if, you know, if, if shit goes down, I mean, and you got to use a campfire, then that's what you're going to be doing. You're just going to be feeding your fire or, you know, scooping away. You can, you know, you can pretty much adjust the, the temperatures on a fire pretty good. So... It's all up to you and your skill levels, but so that's that's some pretty decent ways to you know to to definitely store and, and uh, store your food for future preservation, okay? And um, with the meats, I mean, you can season them. I had a good buddy that took a teriyaki marinade that he used for beef jerky, and he put it in with some elk meat, cut it into cubes, and pressure canned it. And he brought me a little jar, and he says, here, try this. And I, I ate the whole jar. I It was so good. And it was about, I think, a year or two years old, and it tasted amazing. In fact, I ate a couple pieces cold, and it was just great. It was very soft, tender meat, and the, the juices that he, that he had had it marinating in was phenomenal. So the final way that I'm going to... Um, well, actually, there's two more ways that we can definitely talk about food preservation. There's um, salting your meat, okay? And um, with that, it's I'm not really a big fan of salted meats, but just because it's, uh, I don't know, if you've ever had any like salted pork, it's, it's a little bit trippy because it looks like you're just eating raw meat. And, I mean, you could cook it. There's nothing against cooking it um, after it's been salted, but, you know, there's a lot of people that just slice it right off and, and eat it. And, I mean, it just kind of trips you out a little bit, but... The way that you do that is you take about a cup and a half or so of salt, okay, and you mix it into a water-type um, mixture. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You can mix it with brown sugars and vinegars and salts and spices and all kinds of other crap, and you can mix it into a bag, and they call that your brine, okay? You're going to be brining your meat. Then you take your meat, and a lot of people stab holes in it because that lets the juices and everything marinate and soak into the meats. And uh, then you put it in like a baggie or a bowl, and you cover it, and you put it in your fridge. Now, you want to leave it in there for several days. I mean, there's people leave it in there for 7 to 10 days. Once you're done, 
you pull it out of the, your brine, okay? And you actually rinse it off with water. You, you completely wash your meat, get all the crap off of it and stuff. And you may get a little bit of mold due to the sugars. Wash that all off, okay? Now you take it and you dry it pretty thoroughly with like a uh, paper towel. Roll it up. And a lot of people put it in like a little meat bag or cheesecloth, okay? And then you pretty much just put it in a cool, dry place and let that thing just sit there and dry out. And uh, you're good. That's it. I mean, once you open it up and start using it, then you definitely want to refrigerate it. And I've never done it myself, but I did read a, a couple of chapters in several books on it, and they all said pretty much the same thing. So, you know, I'm not really a huge fan of that. But there's another way, and that's smoking. And they say that the Indians were some of the first people to barbecue or smoke meat or jerky, you know. And you can rub your meat down with uh, salts. You can rub it down with uh, spices, seasonings. And you could uh, hang it over a, a tree or whatever and build a fire underneath and let the heat and smoke dry the meat out, okay. And that is probably the easiest and fastest way to preserve meat if you don't have a canning system. Let's say you're stuck in the mountains and you end up killing a rabbit and you kill three rabbits and you go, God, I can't eat all this, but I don't want to let it, you know, go to waste and, and get me sick down the road. So you take that little rabbit and you, you know, skin him out and 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 dry the dry the meat over a stick over the fire, you know, and it happens pretty quick. And uh, then you can wrap that stuff up and, and it'll be preserved for quite a few days. It becomes jerky. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure we've all eaten beef jerky or turkey jerky or any of that type of jerky, and it's all pretty good. So, that's another way of uh, food preservation. So, I don't know, I, I uh, challenge you guys to definitely get a book, even if you can't afford that all-American pressure canner. Um, that's kind of what I thought at first. I looked at them and I thought, holy shit, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And, but the more that I started looking into it, and, you know, it's, it's not really a lot of money. It's a lot of investment. That's definitely one of the things that I'm glad that I bought. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely opened up a lot of doors to different types of food preserving that I've, you know, been wanting to do and learn. And it's really not that scary. I mean, once you get it out and that lid seals, you're good because it'll be dipped. And, uh, you know, you can definitely, if, it, if the lid pops within the, you know, day or two, and you didn't get a good seal, by all means, you know, take the lid off, wipe it down. I'd probably put a new uh, lid on it, tighten it down with a ring, and hey, recan it. You know, it, it's it's not going to hurt anything if it pops within the, you know, the day or two. And, you know, you, you have a, a really good chance of it recanning and, and working out for you. Now, whenever you get into the pressure cookers and canners, though, there is some danger, like I said, you know, it's got a lot of pressure. You're pretty much making a controlled bomb, okay? So be really careful, guys. Don't just uh, go out there and jump right into it. Definitely watch some some videos, read some books, read the uh, the manual, and it'll walk you through pretty much not killing yourself, all right? Because those those bastards are scary. So, you know, and then you just you, you let them cool down on their own. You just turn the heat source off, let them sit there. Don't shake it, move it, disturb it. Leave the damn thing alone. Just let the pressure kind of uh, decrease and, and, you know, build down itself. And, uh, you know, like with my uh, pressure cooker, whenever it's it's done and the pressure's let off, the little uh, safety pressure valve will actually drop and you'll hear it. You know, it goes thunk. And then you'll be able to open up the lid. 
at that point, all your pressures escaped out and you're safe. And um, the same way with your pressure canner. Okay. And in fact, you know, don't be in a rush to try and, and as soon as it's done with the time, you know, they've actually figured in the time with the, um, the cooling down as well, because it's, it's continued to cook. Okay. Whenever you end up turning that thing off, it, it's, it's continuing to cook, even though there's no heat source inside is tremendous heat and pressure. So it's still part of the cooking time that's required. All right. Even though you might read the book and it says, oh, you can can this in seven minutes. That's seven minutes of pressure time while it's cooking. Okay. That's not seven minutes from uh, turning on the burner to, to opening the lid. Okay. But it, it is like by far so fast. Um, if you were to try and cook, let's say a homemade chili or homemade beans, you know, you may soak those beans overnight. So there you're, you're a whole 12, uh, maybe eight to 12 hours of soak time. Then you have to, you know, dump it out the water. And then, then you end up taking the beans and putting them in the pot and doing all this stuff and putting all your things in it. And then, you know, you turn on your crock pot and you slow cook that crap all day because you're, you're away. And, uh, I mean, you're into it like a good day and a half, two days by the time you get your chili done and it's, the beans are thoroughly cooked and everything's, you know, stewed together. You throw all that crap in a pressure cooker. I mean, you're, you're looking at like 30 minutes tops and you're eating chili. You know what I mean? So it's something that's phenomenal. And, um, the, the amount of fuel that you'll be using to run a, a pressure canner, pressure cooker isn't nowhere near, you know, like if you were to try and slow cook some chili in a Dutch oven, you know, if you put that on a propane burner, you're going to be in there. Like, you know, you're going to go through two bottles of propane by the time you're making the same chili that you could do in 30 minutes in a pressure cooker. So it's, total investment guys i mean you're going to be using way less fuel source way less time way less prep time and you know even if you had that big event you know kids had a wrestling game uh, or match you, you had a basketball game a baseball game soccer whatever you want to go home and eat a good home cooked meal still um, a pressure cooker is going to totally let you do that still and uh, so you're not going to be eating that you know processed bullshit so and we'll probably get into more diet stuff later, guys, because um, even though it's not really about shit hitting the fan, it's definitely something that, you know, it affects your body. It affects a lot of things. It affects your children. Um, you know, diet is probably one of the worst things plaguing our country right now. I mean, that's why we're all a bunch of fat asses driving around in fucking jazzy chairs. We don't need to be in jazzy chairs, guys. If you're in a jazzy chair and your legs work, then you're a piece of shit flat out. Now, if you're in a jazzy chair because you have missing legs, extremely bad, you know, lower extremities, whatever, that's legit. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, my grandpa's been in a wheelchair pretty much my entire life. I've always known him in a wheelchair and it's because he's paralyzed. So, you know, it's legit, but the ones that are not legit, you know who you are and you're a piece of shit. But anyway, so let's just kind of recap. Let's do some uh, book buying, the ball blue Bible, they call it. And there's actually several ball jars. Um, there was a really good one, like I said, Keeping the Harvest. Um, that was really, really good. And I can't even pronounce the name. It's uh, C-H-I-O-F-F-I and Mead, M-E-A-D. So that's the, uh, the author, I guess, two people did. Um, there's also the complete book of Home Preserving. That was really good. Preserving the Harvest. Um, that was really good. There, there's quite a few of them that are out there. So 
I just went on, uh, oh, hey, by the way, Thrift Books, okay? I'm going to give them a shout out, thriftbooks.com, okay? You can go on there and you can buy freaking books for $3. And dude, this is like phenomenal because if you, most of their shit, if you get a $10 um, purchase in your cart, it's free shipping. I mean, books are heavy. Books are big. They're bulky. They're heavy. And these guys, they, they send you out books in really good condition. Um, I've bought several books off of Thrift Books. You can search by author. You can search by whatever. If they don't have it, you can put it on your wish list. If it becomes available, they'll contact you. Um, thriftbooks.com, guys. Phenomenal. And then they constantly do, like if you purchase $50 in books, then they'll send you a coupon code for $5 off your next order. So, I mean, these guys are phenomenal. I've purchased, you know, probably a couple hundred dollars worth of books from them and they have everything. I mean, I've got, um, you know, square foot gardening, um, you know, the whole goat handbook where you can, you know, everything from using the fur to making the cheese, to making the meat, to raising the goats, to the problems, you know, I mean, there's a raising rabbits book. I, I have bought so many books that it's like un unreal. And uh, they're all very, very good books where there is no doctor, where there is no dentist. I I've bought them all, okay? So anyway, if you go on there, their conditions are really good rated too. So if they say it's in fair condition, it's in fair condition. If it's in good, it's in good. If it's in next to new, you got it. It's in next to new condition. So phenomenal website, thriftbooks.com. I don't know how the hell they make a dollar off of it, but they do. And they keep it coming, so definitely support those guys. All right. And sky's the limit. If you type in something, it'll also email you books that you may be interested in. So fucking awesome, awesome website guys. So check them out, thriftbooks.com and uh, thriftbooks. There's a free plug for you guys. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. And uh, remember, Hey, knowledge. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's fairly cheap this day and age. And also, um, it's free. Most of the time you can get it for free and it doesn't weigh anything. I mean, you can take it with you and, uh, I mean, just keep building onto it. Okay, guys, knowledge, build it up. So I'll leave you guys with that. Semper Fi.